0: morning this is coffee with the Sarlos and I'm Karen good morning I'm Kelly a family came to see me brothers and sisters when a sibling passed and the whole group came to get answers to questions around what happened to him before he passed for a couple of weeks what happened when he passed away and what was going on since he passed over Because there were things going on within the family dynamics since his passing that caused disruption, anger, uh, questioning, accusations, and division. Mm -hmm. And grief. Because I think when you have all of those things, you have the grief of missing your brother, but you also have the grief of what's going on with all of your siblings. Right. So it's compounded. And it gets messy. You can't figure out if you're angry that he's passed and you don't understand why, or if you're actually angry at one of the siblings, you might be blaming for his passing. So was it the siblings that came to see you? Yes. Okay. It was a group of of brothers and sisters. And I think this is a good show because things like like this happens to people. When someone passes, we don't expect it. We might have a conversation with somebody who we know is depressed or we know is struggling or maybe has an addiction or just got laid off and we get scared. Mm -hmm. We hear that these types of things can happen where somebody could die. It could be an accident. It could be purposeful. It could be questionable. And all of those things cause an equal amount of anxiety sometimes, but in different ways. Mm -hmm. But if you don't know why they passed, it's even more complicated. Mm -hmm. I think I just want to pause
1: because you said something really good about anxiety heightening. And I wanted to add that while people like you, there's so many questions that are brought up in that time period. In all of the examples that you've given. And when anxiety is heightened, even if people are asking good questions the anxiety or the tone that happens can be the thing that ignites the fight
0: perfectly said
1: and when when really the bottom line or the intention is to just have information
0: yeah and for for this particular family and I say I'm talking about a particular family but maybe I should just say to the listeners that it isn't just one particular family so if you're listening to this and you're thinking is that mine she's talking about no what I've tried to do is grab information from a variety of sessions where families and groups there have common com- threads yes so it, it isn't the Smith family or the Jones or the Sarlos it, it's a culmination of a whole bunch of treatments where each one has taught me different things and I thought it would be beneficial for people of that if you're if it's your family going through it, or if you're a professional watching it, or if you're a friend of someone and you're hearing this, that this could be of some benefit to share the show, maybe it's for you, maybe it's for someone else. The family members that came, each had their own relationship with this brother. They each believed that they knew the relationship that their siblings had with this brother. They, they think that they knew And they did, to some degree, his medical condition, the pain that he was in from an injury, the medication that he was taking. Some knew, some didn't. So what came through in the session was information. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna give one example. And that was when I said he was on medication. And one of the siblings went, "Mm -hmm, that's correct, to give me an affirmation. And the other siblings head snapped and went, what? What do you mean he was on medication? And she said, well, yes, he was on meds for this and for this and for this. And they just looked at her and said, well, why didn't we know that? It changed the way that they saw her in that moment. Some of them were angry that she knew and they didn't. So there was a sister that was alive. Yeah. Right. So they knew they, some of them felt jealousy that she was closer to him, that she knew things they didn't, Mm -hmm. that he had chosen. He had chosen to confide. He did. Not the sister. He did. But they're mad at her. Mm -hmm. So they placed the anger on her that he made that choice. And he confronted them. From the other side. From the other side. So the dead brother says to me, get her. And I'm like, get her. And he explained, he said, she's angry with my other sister. Because... I made a choice to confront in this sister. Confide. Confide. Sorry, confide in her. So she, the sister who was attacking her other sister, got challenged by me, meaning her brother, to say, I'm the one that made that choice. Talk to me. Mm -hmm. Don't go beating her up because I'm dead. Don't go attacking her for the rest of her life. Don't put this on her. Talk to me. Mm -hmm. you ask me why I chose not to confide in you and I'll tell you why and so she turned to me and in that moment everything shifted and she didn't want to hear it she didn't want to there's an opportunity for
1: personal responsibility
0: yes and there is an opportunity for some truths to come out and at that moment things shifted between the sisters and I'm that made me happy like It made me happy in the sense that the dead brother is standing there saying, let's put things where they belong now. Let's answer the questions. Let's deal with the confrontations. Mm -hmm. Which is something he didn't do as a human being. Mm -hmm. Which is something that the whole family didn't do for each other. And because of that, there was a lack of truth. There was a lack of respect for each other. There was a lack of friendship companionship and being able to connect to each other
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he, this the oh some of these sessions like if I just think of so many lessons that I learned from sitting with this group of brothers and sisters that day the the soul that crossed the brother that caught that crossed over I'm going to call him Mark
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mark came through to sort of I'll say throw a dynamite take a dynamite in his family and I don't just mean because he died I mean because Of the fact that they came to see a medium who was a complete stranger, but able to represent the spirit that he is, that stepped outside of those patterns, Mm -hmm. those deeply ingrained patterns that mom and dad originated by pitting the brothers and sisters against each other. And he talked about that. The mom and the dad are passed over. And I want to say lucky for me in the sense that they got to talk to their mom and dad and see some of the patterns that came from them as well. It gave the family members, some of them quite a bit of comfort to know that their mom and dad greeted their brother when he crossed over. I want to go to the days before he passed because they wanted to know where he was at and what happened in those days. Like again, they have no idea if this is an accident, if this is a suicide, if this is a medical issue like they don't know what occurred so he described his life he described to them depression and anger with the world an anger with the family dynamics an anger with not being able to have and not working on developing different emotionally intelligent tools to change the patterns for the family or just for himself in his own life
1: mm-hmm. it's interesting like everything i'm hearing i can understand that it's it's about Uh, them coming for answers but if people are understanding this properly we as humans tend to focus on an event and make make the kerfuffle about the event itself and what the heart of the matter is and why they've come to see a medium is to get down to the bottom line which is always connection it's always the relationship and the connection within it and that's what that's what they were missing that's what created all of the fear Because had the connections been there properly, the death would have been something that they could grieve congruently.
0: And that's where the mom and dad came in to talk about how they had treated the children. Hmm. To talk about how they had put, you know, Mark and I'll say his sister that he confided in, say Bev, that Mark and Bev were able to connect to each other. But it had so much to do with how the parents treated the other sister. Let's call her Cheryl. And how they isolated Cheryl, what they did to make the other two siblings have certain beliefs around her. They weren't true beliefs. And that's something that they apologized to Cheryl. So Cheryl got a huge healing that day. And her sister Bev got to sit there and say, I'm sorry. I bought into beliefs. I bought that into it. Real. Yeah, that's right. And I bought into it because from the time I'm born, two years old, three years old, over and over again, these beliefs are reinstated by parents. Mm-hmm. And when we're children, we believe our parents. Th- that's our system. Th- that's our safety net. Without believing them, we may fear that we're not going to be fed. Or that we're not going to be loved or taken care of. Survival, Yeah, survival. So the parents came in to apologize to the siblings. But they also apologized to Mark. They apologized for where he got to in his life. Um, That brought him to these to to this ending. Mm -hmm. And this ending meaning the last month or so of his life, I'm going to say a, a, a month or so, where certain situations, beliefs, it was a job loss, it was, there was a number of things, he was in a lot of pain, physical pain, but not in that month, it had been years of physical pain. Years of going from job to job because he couldn't keep them because of sick days and because of the pain that he was in and a brain fog that comes with pain. Mm -hmm. And I think if people don't live with daily pain, they don't understand the amount of brain fog you can feel and have to push through. Yes, on a day to day basis and and moment to moment basis, a breath to breath basis. And sometimes we just, when there are coworkers and we're with them day to day over a period of months or years, we don't want to hear them complain anymore.
1: No.
0: We don't, we think we've all got our problems. We, 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 we dehumanize them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And long term, that means that that when we dehumanize them and don't see them and don't validate them, that can really feed into their depression. Yeah, it creates isolation. Yeah, and sadness. And, and as you said earlier not feeling connected mm-hmm. and when that occurs at work and we've already grown up with a whole family that has basically raised us to disconnect from each other right from the moment we're born then you're really set up for if you don't reach i'll say a failure or a challenge i don't know how to word this in different ways because i know if there are therapists listening they'll say a challenge, please say challenge, Karen. But if you're not a therapist, and you don't know those tools, or you don't pick up those books and read them, you pass by the self help section to go to the fishing section, or the cooking. (laughs) And you don't ever wander, you don't know that there are going to be other tools and people that can help you with those. Mm -hmm. So again, if you refuse the self help section or the therapists, you refuse a whole whole area of life that can bring you out of your isolation or your your experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's where this conversation led with this family that day, which, you know, they're just coming in to say, how's our brother? And as a medium, can you connect to him? Can you just tell us? We just want to know what happened. So what happened wasn't just in the last month, it was the life. It it it, it was all of the dynamics of the family. And by the end of their session, I could, they just couldn't thank Mark enough. They couldn't thank their parents enough. They couldn't thank each other enough. They couldn't thank and hug me enough. And I, and I, I say that because there's that doesn't exist in all of the sessions. Mm -hmm. And I know you know that. Oh my gosh, yeah. Some of them leave angry with each other and they don't want to hear the answers and they shut it down. But I call these work sessions where I really encourage the people to ask the hard questions and work through them. And this was a family that deserved a shit ton of credit. That they were willing to listen to Mark. They were willing to hear, and I didn't like you. Cheryl was able to hear, I didn't like you. And she sat there and shook her head and said, I I, I know that. I know that. But she's sitting there. How do I grieve when I know that the brother that died and that I want to grieve over didn't even like me? Mm -hmm. How do I grieve? How how do I get? How do I even begin it? And I just remembered her saying this was a great beginning for me today. I got to hear um, that he understood what he did to me. I got to hear that my parents acknowledged that they were responsible for it. I got to hear it today. I think I can now begin fantastic oh it's a happy dance I I I think for me that that they bother to try and and that's why I said I think that there should be a lot of credit here for the siblings because they were willing to come in spite of the fact that they knew that they were angry at each other they they knew it and they still booked the session to come in because the biggest thing that I saw in this group together but also as individuals sitting in that room Was a desire to know. Yeah. And that's why some people walk past the self-help section. They don't want to know. That's why they don't book an appointment with a therapist. Because I don't want to know. I'd rather sit in all of my pain and anger and hold on to it.
1: Well, I think the desire to know boils down to a desire to connect. Because if I can know, I can understand. And if I can understand, then I can connect. Even if I don't end up
0: liking the person...
1: I can still connect to them as a human.
0: I think, too, for Cheryl, it it helped her understand uh, her own behaviors, her own feeling isolated, her own desire to reach out to different types of people. Yeah. Uh, Also, why she went into a certain type of career. She went into nursing. And her whole desire in going into nursing was to connect because she didn't have it with a family. Mm Mm-hmm her desire to find a husband and to have children was to have her own family it wasn't that she actually was really in love with her husband but she was in love with the idea of a husband and a family and that doesn't mean that now that she knows any of this differently that she wants to leave him or that she wants to break up the family as it stands in those dynamics but she walked up to me at the very end of it and said could I come back with my husband could I come back and just talk to him? Could we just talk about all of this so that maybe he could understand? And I don't yeah, I don't even know why I really want him to come other than I got a different kind of understanding today. And I think if we sat together, I'm just excited to see what else could come of it that I might understand about myself or that he might understand about me because I have a really hard time hearing no. I bully my husband. I can't take no. And I'm thinking, that is fantastic. And I said, so do you see why you can't take a no? And she says, yeah, and I can see why my mother-in-law hates my guts. Hmm. She says, today, when I heard all of this, I understand why my mother-in-law hates me. Because she knows I bully her son. Mm-hmm. She knows I do. And she knows I hold the fact that we're a family over her head. He won't leave me because he's a dad. So I bully the shit out of him. Hmm. So she, this whole need for the family unit and her stress over her original family has seeped into her marriage and the way she treats her mother-in-law and her children. But she, that day started an opening just from one thing, Kelly, and that was just a desire to know something. She didn't even know what she wanted to know. Yeah. She was just saying, could you tell me something And I'm going to see where it takes me. And I'm willing to sit here and listen. And I'm willing to be in front of my husband and be vulnerable enough to say that I know I bully him.
1: I think about the hundreds of people who have sat in front of us and said, I'm open. And have been nowhere near what you're describing in this Cheryl character. Yeah. Where there is, like you say, that desire to know, to hear it, and then to sit with it and decide what they want to do.
0: Yeah. And she was so excited. Remember looking at her face sometimes, where she was so excited when a message was coming through her for for her sister Bev from Mark, where she just really wanted Bev to get things. She wanted her to understand something from a different perspective, right? And Mark was giving everybody different perspectives. And so she was looking at her sister Bev to see, geez, what could be said here? That could change our relationship because I don't know how to myself. Mm-hmm. I have no clue. But I'm willing to sit here and see what Mark's going to say to Bev and see what Bev gets out of it. And then I'm going to sit here and see how that's going to affect me. And and the choices that she ends up having because of it. Yes. Choices that may or may not have been there before. Yeah. I, I think of the term game changer. I really like that because it that's a session where you come for medium, you come to hear, is he okay? You come to hear, does he love me? You come to hear, did he cross over okay? Was he in pain? There's just like, there are these general, very high need, anxiety questions. I want to know if he suffered. I want to know if he's all right. And he's he he's, he came through and he answered all of that. But that was like the first 30 seconds. Can we get past that? There's a shit ton of work to be done here. And they said, yes, mm-hmm. they didn't want to hear. Does he have brown hair? Can you see if he has green eyes or blue? Mm-hmm. Can you prove that he's here? They they weren't there to do those things. They were there on such a different level. And in particular, Cheryl, mm-hmm. but mostly Mark and his mom and dad. This was an opportunity to take like I said, to throw dynamite into everything. And, and Kelly, the expression there I use is dynamite, but in alchemical healing, it's calcination. Mm-hmm. It's a process of let's burn everything to the ground. Let's burn all of these beliefs and thoughts to the ground. Let's see where they originated. That's part of the energy healing that you and I do, where that kicks in and helps people. But if people say, Oh, what do you do as energy healers? I don't understand it we're describing it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You burn all the beliefs to the ground, you come out with the truths. And then you plant the little seeds, the next step of healing. And but the, those seeds are called the truth. Mm-hmm. And you see what grows from that. And that what kind of connectivity, what kind of foundation you truly get.
1: Well, you also see who's willing to water it.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, who's willing to have a coffee over it, who's willing to go for a walk and talk about it, who's willing to, yeah, just sit in each other's presence and allow each other to feel. And I remember looking at Cheryl, where she was just sitting on the edge of her chair, looking at Bev to see what Bev was going to take and get. And Bev blinked. She blinked a lot. She twitched a lot. Her anxiety came through physically. hmm. Um, with um, uh, shifting in the chair. But her vocabulary and her sentences, what came out of her mouth, even though her body was stressed out of its mind, what came out of her mouth was, yeah, yeah, mom and dad did do that. Yeah, yeah, I can see, you know, Cheryl was the one that got, you know, treated this way. That's true. There were acknowledgements out of her mouth, even though there was a high level of stress.
1: Oh, yeah, I can think of so many times in life, especially when you've sat me down to give me a truth, where, you know, my quads shake, my whole legs shake, sometimes it comes up into the upper body and I sit there and say, it's okay, it's good, it's discomfort, but it's still still what I need to hear. And the body can process it as discomfort. But I know that it'll settle. Right. And if you're if you are as an energy healer shaking up the body, that's what it's physically doing. You shake it up and then you you let the good stuff settle
0: back in. I love that you've described energy healing yet again in a different way for people that. It is that we have to shake up the body. We have to shake up the brain. We have to shake up the central nervous system. And the crap
1: rises. The crap rises to the surface, metaphorically and literally, right? We have outbreaks in our skin. We have all kinds of irritations that happen physically for us. And that's that that not-so-good stuff we're trying to grieve and release that comes to the surface or excreted. And then the good stuff settles again. Hmm. And it's a process. So understanding that while you're shaking or while while you're having your irritations or outbreaks, that that's just part of the process of things shifting, then you can be patient enough to let the discomfort be, not have to rush it, and then know that you're going to come back to that, that state of health again.
0: Or a brand new one. Yeah. hope For some people, hopefully a brand new one, especially if we've had... An environment. And by that I mean it can be a family. It can be where you live. It could be a group home. Um, there's a, v- a variety of places that people are birthed and live a life. Some move from home to home, school to school, country to country, whatever it is, a military life. It can be all kinds of different types of lives. I think it's an invitation with the energy healing to create something new. Mm hmm each time, each each session. So some people say, well, why would I come back for that? Yeah. For the peace that that brings, for the love that that brings. And it's that self-love when people ask sometimes, well, how do I love myself? What does that look like? There's a variety of ways that self-love appears or presents itself or the choices that we make to do it. But I think one of the best ones is to shake up the things that are the untruths in our love in our life. That is self-love. It isn't just going to the gym or just washing our hair or eating well. It is all of those things too. But it is also being truthful to ourselves. And I don't mean in a mean way to others. I'm just going to tell you my truth, and, and it's it's gonna I'm gonna yeah. say it in a you suck it up kind of way, and I'm gonna be mean to you. That's not. That's not being truthful. That's being an abuser.
1: Mm-hmm. Truthfulness is, is the authenticity of a whole. It's your tone. It's the presentation. It's the patience. It's being scared shitless. Kind
0: choice of words. Yeah. can be full of anxiety. It can be full of depression. But I think that's what a depression and an anxiety can birth, can give us if we are okay to sit in it in this this family, this mom, dad, Mark, Bev, and Cheryl, were just, I don't know, I wanted to say at first full of love, but it, not really. These were, these were people that, well, three spirits and two people alive. I'll say that we're biologically connected at one time. Mm-hmm. And the two humans on Earth still believe they are, <laughs> because we still believe that when we cross over, they're still our family. We don't think that the whole planet is mm-hmm. or that our neighbors are and everything else. I can't even count the
1: number of people that have been in to say, well, is my husband with my parents On the other side. And I'm going, God, no, they hated each other. And it suits them just fine that they're not together. Yeah. That was the last person they wanted to see when they crossed. And the person laughs and goes, yeah, that's true. So why
0: in your head do you want to put them in a room together for eternity? Well, Jim Jeffries said that in one of his stand-up comedic shows, right? Yeah. He goes, Jesus, I don't want to believe in a a hereafter. Remember in his comic routine? Why the hell would I want to spend the rest of eternity with the people I hated on earth? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's just, it's a very uh
1: human but like level 1 human yes. kind of thinking and the idea that you can be energy and expansive and love not to sound corny is a far better thought for for when we're grieving than our family stuck in a room together <laughs> and you're asking if they're fine
0: yeah and and the idea too that we have to cross over meet them again, and spend the rest of eternity with them. It's like, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Well, it explains why some people at the end of life don't want to die. Yeah, that they, there's fear. Yes. I, and I, I like being able to explain to people, no, they're not together.
1: They, Your parents or your the family members were a check-in point to see that the soul got its lesson, that maybe they did or didn't get here on earth, and now they're off doing their own thing.
0: Yeah. That soul
1: has moved on
0: right ah Kelly I like what you just did because some people get told let go let go of that just forgive and what you and I are saying is, you know is, how I feel about forgiveness <laughs> but I'm but I'm just saying I've always say to clients there's no such thing there's no yeah. such thing as somebody walking up to you and just throwing it in your face and saying oh you got to let that go that doesn't happen you might as well punch them in the face oh. and say let it go <laughs> It's it's a process and it's not a process that always gets achieved on earth. And for some people, that means some people will say, oh, take the higher road. Oh, forgive and forget. Oh, it's family. They throw all these things out because underneath it, what they're really saying is come back for some more abuse, sucker.
1: Yeah. There are so many instances where by not forgiving, not letting go, not forgetting, it keeps you from not crossing the bridge that you should have burned yeah and some bridges are worth burning yeah for your love for your protection for all kinds of things in life
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: some bridges need to be burned
0: Wow, this is interesting and i think sometimes it's very good not to let go yeah it's good to remember it's good to set boundaries it's good to understand why uh, that you don't let go of certain things. Isn't that's what I just said? I know. Okay. Sometimes I repeat what you say because some. I think sometimes people, if they hear it again, I'm a three person. Sometimes I gotta hear things three times. so Do I need to repeat it back after you repeat what I repeated? <laughs> Could you? Fuck.
1: Let me have another coffee and I'll try. So we're saying remember.
0: <laughs> just kidding. That's fun. Yeah. That's that that's my that's I don't know. I think I'm gonna stop at that because that's That's a good amount of time. There was so much more to their session, I could do ten more shows about them. And maybe I will, maybe I will bring this family up of these people over and over again, of the different things that happened. Because if anybody was goes back to what I originally started about. The couple of month, the month or so before and what happened, the cause of death, what he did, they're sitting here going, "Whoa, what happened to Mark? We got no answers. <laughs> we got no answers. What happened to Mark? And they did get their answers. What happened? Yeah. And it does matter. It is part of this. But I wanted to break it this, this down into pieces, mm-hmm. just because I could see Cheryl and what she got, I could see Bev and what it did for Bev and Mark and what it did for Mark and the parents. Mm-hmm. So let's end at that for now. Sure. Okay. Thank you.
1: I know that, mm. was, that was your story to share, so I appreciate mm. it. Uh, if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at com. And we also welcome you to submit your own ideas for podcast shows. We, uh, we very much appreciate that. We hope you have a wonderful Saturday and we will talk to you next week.